So, hi Jamie. Hey. Uh, so Jamie's here from the NFL UK. So we're here in the, the lovely new Spurs Stadium, which is now going to be one of the homes of NFL in the UK. So obviously you've probably seen the stadium before, but how exciting is it to, to bring NFL to a new football stadium? Yeah, it's really, really exciting. I've been here quite a lot in the yeah. last couple of months. Um, we've done a few NFL events, obviously seen Spurs do events here as well. It's been great, firstly, to work with Spurs as, as right. a kind of partner on this, um, from a marketing side, but also from an operation side. And then I think it's been um, everyone in our office super exciting, like a real milestone right. in the NFL and in development in the UK. And to be able to have a stadium that we can call the home of the NFL is really, really exciting. Um, and everything inside the stadium is just incredible. Like the fact that you can go anywhere and you're instantly connected to the internet. The the way that our field comes out is a really innovative way of looking at kind of stadia across the across the world. It's the first purpose-built NFL stadium outside the US. So everything about it is is really, really exciting. Yeah, it checks all the boxes and exactly. obviously when Daniel Levy kind of first reached out to the NFL, he was like, okay, if it won't work, tell me why so I can make it work. So yeah, it's, it's obviously been a long time in the making. It's been a long time to make, mate. Obviously we were meant to play games here last year right. um, and the stadium wasn't quite ready, which everyone knows about. But <laughs> We um, definitely think it's worth the wait and we can't wait to kind of open the doors to our fans uh, on October 6th. Absolutely, yeah, no, I can't wait. I'm a Tottenham fan, so uh, I'll, be, I'll be watching closely. Um, so obviously at the, the newsletter, we've been kind of uh, seeing a, a number of different trends um, kind of emerging over the last kind of 12, 18 months, and particularly over 2019 since we've been really kind of pushing the, the newsletter. So I'm just going to throw some of them at Fine. you and then you, no can, you can give your thoughts from an NFL perspective or your own personal thoughts. For sure. Um, so one of the major ones is the, the streaming wars. Um, so the different rights holders getting involved, you know, tech companies kind of coming involved, and obviously uh, there were some comments last week from the commissioner saying that it's only a matter of time before Facebook, Google, Amazon kind of get into the NFL world. So what's the NFL UK perspective? So I think from our point of view, in terms of media, um, obviously there is a financial part, but I'm as part, speaking as part of the marketing team, for us it's, it's so important that as many eyeballs are as possible. So right now we have the BBC and Sky, which is kind of creates the perfect storm because you kind of have the Sky angle, um, which is kind of paid service, a bit more premium, watch all the games. Then you have BBC, which is all about eyeballs and reach. Right. So for us, that is the perfect storm. I'm mainly from a kind of more social digital content background. So of course, when the likes of Facebook and Amazon get involved, it's really, really exciting for right. me um, to think about what you could do in a platform around that. And it's been interesting to see how Facebook has dipped its toe into the MLB. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. I think from the NFL side, we have an OTT platform, NFL mm -hmm. Game Pass, which has kind of been a huge, huge kind of focus for us. And it's going to be a big focus going forward. I suppose that's all about kind of keeping our rights to ourselves and saying directly. So personally, from my side, I see, um, I see it being more about with sport, especially being more kind of strategic small um, kind of subscriptions to the sports you like. So you like Premier League, you like the NFL, and you like rugby. You would buy those free subscriptions to those sports. And that's definitely the way, the, especially from an NFL international point of view, where you can watch all the games on NFL Game Pass mm -hmm. live, apart from the games that are on Sky. I think that's a kind of really interesting way of kind of the, the, the future of us broadcasting the NFL Absolutely. internationally. Yeah, yeah, because obviously it gives the rights holders like Sky who've bought the rights exclusive content, yep. but it also gives fans of specific teams access to every exactly. game so they can actually be up close and personal exactly. that's, that's really interesting um, so I guess kind of on from that we got like the world of content and how obviously you did a recent partnership with TikTok last 
week. So mm -hmm. you've kind of, you know, gone through all the different kind of socials. So what are you guys seeing? Is uh, TikTok the future, or is it just kind of part of your arsenal that you use to, to reach new audiences? I think at the moment the NFL is all about new audiences, right. and you can't deny the the audience on TikTok, mm -hmm. the engagement on TikTok, and it's so hard to reach a young audience. TikTok you can right. I think that's where the key is there and I think from a domestic we've, as I said in what I spoke about earlier is we've had an influencer program for three years now so we've been dipping into Instagram Snapchat YouTube the NFL in the US have just started their, their this year and they've done, done all this stuff obviously they've got a big team behind them and they're, now they're like right TikTok that is kind of like the new place for the new age of influencers so they've kind of ma made a deal with them um, also because the NFL has deals with Facebook Twitter snap right. TikTok was kind of becoming the next so it kind of made, it made sense yeah yeah and obviously there was one over the weekend as well kind of announcement with with reddit with certain players doing AMAs which I guess reddit have kind of made famous they probably didn't invent it yep. but it certainly kind of popularized the the, the, the format I guess so What's going to be different on Reddit from TikTok? Just to give a bit I of think, context for I think listeners. So just, I'm, I'm not sure what their kind of plan is from a domestic point of view, but <laughs> I, what the, the big difference for me seems that Reddit is all about community. Um, and I think the NFL are looking across the board now, across the funnel on every single kind of touch point for a fan. And I think it's important that we're doing things to engage a new fan, but also at the same time, we're also deeply engaged with our current fans. So our number one goal in the UK office is to grow fans and deepen the engagement of current fans. Sometimes growing fans is the kind of fun, sexy bit. You can't, remember, you can't forget the current fans that are coming to the games all the time, so we need to deepen their engagement. Creating a, creating a kind of community within places like Reddit, where it's kind of a very core, more avid fan base, I think right. is kind of really important to make sure the NFL is in those spaces as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's not kind of the ephemeral kind of world. You know, there's like a, a large community, as you say, kind of sharing their thoughts and opinions yeah. and conversations kind of flow from that. Um, so now we're kind of moving on to the, the big kind of talking point in the US. Obviously, gambling has been kind of legalized in certain states over the last kind of 12 months. So obviously, from an NFL UK perspective, gambling has always been legal in the UK. So what are the opportunities that you guys see or what can you share with the NFL domestically uh, in the US? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. Um, everyone knows that the NFL is kind of looking at, at gambling and what's there. You would that the amount of money involved mm -hmm. potentially is you can't really look again look 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 past it i think for us in the uk it presents a really interesting opportunity because i i truly think that the betting firms in the UK are some of the best marketers in the UK. Um, they all kind of create compelling content, they engage fans, their, their channels are all great. They, and I, I do think that they would be a real ally in us in, in fan growth. And I think, I think the idea of kind of betting on a sport helps drive fan growth. How many people on a Saturday talk about their, their, their accumulator and you're following the game because you've got a stake on it. Mm -hmm. It's a bit like how fantasy is, but if you can put, can put a bit of money on it and you've got a real stake in the game, you're going to follow the sport intently. You're then going to go and watch Sky Sports or you're going to buy Game Pass to follow it or you're going to catch the BBC Highlight Show. So I think from my point of view, I see a betting partner will just help us with consumption across the board. Absolutely, yeah. I can't remember which bookmaker had the, the line, but it matters, matters more when there's money on it. So I think it really, that does. It really does. And as you say, the, the kind of sh social sharing as well that comes from one person having an accumulator with maybe four teams in it. You know, he's going to tell all his mates in the pub if, if that exactly. comes off. I think or it's, going to be, it's going to be a tough one because I think you have to tread very carefully mm -hmm. because of the kind of sensitivities in the US around it. But I think it's going to be a very interesting space to keep our eye on. Definitely. Um, so obviously, you know, esports is kind of blowing up mm -hmm. as well over the last kind of two years or so. Um, and obviously, Madden is 
is the kind of mainstay of the NFL world. Um, so how are you guys kind of integrating the two and are you putting on events in the UK to go along with the matches that are coming up? Or we tried quite it? a bit around Madden in the UK and we've never really, I wouldn't say done it as well as we'd like. Um, I think, I think for me, what I think the opportunity is esports is more tapping into that world. And I think whenever we thought about Madden, we thought, how can we take a FIFA audience and put them on Madden? Mm -hmm. Actually, we've done a lot of research into Madden. Actually, it's more kind of closely linked to people with strategy games. So how are we targeting those people? Um, so I think it's more tapping into the esports world. And I think Madden is more, how do we market Madden to our current fans? Um, the other part about Madden, which is really interesting, is a fan development piece. So there's two or three players that have come over from the UK to play rugby to go and play the NFL in America. And I'm like, I asked them, how did you first get into the NFL? Madden. Right. So many people's entry into the sport is Madden. That means we need to get more Madden in more hands. So we need to make sure we're working with EA as a, as a partner and all the other kind of gaming distributors in the UK to try and get Madden as many hands as possible. And we'll hopefully see the effect of fan growth over the years. Excellent, great. Um, so obviously there's a bunch of other trends that are happening in sports tech right now, so I'm just going to list them all off and you can yeah, pick do. one that you like or introduce one of your own. So cool. we kind of talked about AR, VR, cryptocurrencies, a um, wow. bunch of other wearables, uh, player tracking, data analytics. I think the... I think a really interesting one for us, especially as we, with the launch of the NFL Academy, is around player tracking and player data. Um, and... Uh, we, as the NFL in the UK, we've not been a team, so we've not worked directly as a kind of a functioning operational business in terms of working with a team, and that's been something that uh, we've already done around the games. This academy essentially has opened up a, a avenue for us to almost build a team here and have student athletes that are coming in and they're working out every day. We've done a bit of stuff with the player pathway guys with some of our partners over there in terms of tracking to make sure we know how much they're eating, how much they're drinking, how much they're running, how much, all the things that we know is in professional sports. That creates a really interesting proposition for us in the UK as we start to work with student athletes and we really, as we try and make them the best athletes possible, really get to know their bodies. Um, it also opens huge avenues from a commercial point of view. I think a lot of commercial partners want to get into that space we now have a credible way of getting into that space. Um, so I think the player data and analysis piece is a really interesting that we're, we're really kind of heavily looking at from in, in the academy. Great. Yeah, so I think that's our, our 10 minutes up. Uh, awesome. Thank, thank you, Jamie, for thank your you time. Um, obviously, best of luck with the, the cello games here in uh, the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but also the, the other games coming up in London. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Welcome to another episode of Sports Tech Live podcast. This is episode number eight for October 4th of 2019. So we're going to cover the usual topics uh, this week, uh, but there's also a special interview with uh, NFL UK's Jamie King, who I sat down with for a quick conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Spurs New Stadium, which is going to be hosting their first ever NFL game uh, this coming weekend. Uh, so it's right on time and to, to drop this uh, interview so hope you look forward to it and let me know any comments or feedback the 
The top news story this week comes from IBC, the conference I was at in Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago, all about international broadcasting. And this is the launch of a new app. So it's from Vitgo and Kiswi. Uh, launch a new social TV experience. Uh, so it's designed for interactivity in the sports, entertainment and family world and also in for the Latino programming. Uh, so it's going to be a world first between these two companies. Um, so Vidgo is a prepaid live TV service and QSU Mobile, a specialist in mobile video audience engagement. And uh, so this has been launched uh, in the US. Um, so they're looking at this new world of people primarily consuming TV content on a mobile device and they're looking to bring, I guess, the traditional experience of sitting down with family and friends, uh, watching experience, being able to, to talk about what you're seeing on the television. Um, so it's not really dedicated for sports, but I think sports is a great use case for this. Um, so I think it's going to be um, part of the future of uh, TV. Because uh, I don't think TV is going to die. That's one thing I, I learned from uh, IBC is that TV is not going to die. It's just going to change uh, formats. It's still um, the broadcasting of uh, video content. Now it's just on different platforms uh, that you can do cool things like integrate um, live chat alongside uh, live video. Uh, the product will also come with um, the ability to share GIFs, memes, polls, and obviously the, the live chat that we mentioned. Uh, so to quote Vidgo's chief executive, Shane Cannon, Vidgo wants to bring friends and fans together to watch live sports and television in a fun and engaging manner. Social TV is finally here. So this is kind of part of uh, the future in my book anyway, at least. Um, obviously, we've seen the proliferation of mobile devices and now uh, with the advent of 4G technology and 5G technology coming down the stream. Um, obviously, it's going to be a lot easier to you know, broadcast and consume um, high-quality content live and on the go uh, on your mobile device. Um, so I think you know, packaging that with you know the live chat and the the sharing of memes and, and polls, I think is a natural progression uh, to add extra value on top of just the the static live stream. So obviously with a touchscreen device in your hands, you can do a lot more than uh, just passively watch. And so big news for me, it's a shame it's not available um, in Europe, uh, but it's definitely something I'm going to be uh, looking forward to. The top news, news story this week from the world of gambling uh, comes by the way of an acquisition uh, from Flutter Entertainment, which is the owner of Paddy Power, which is one of the preeminent uh, gambling companies in the UK and Ireland. Um, so they've got presence right around the world. Um, they purchased FanDuel in the US uh, about 12 to 18 months ago. Uh, they presence in Australia as well. So they're really active in all of the, the major kind of legal gambling markets around the world. And obviously with this new acquisition of the Stars Group, um, they obviously position themselves nicely uh, moving forward into the US. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we had a news story here of uh, Fox launching their own uh, gambling product. Um, so Fox Sports and the Stars Group partnered for this. Um, so this is going to be part of the, the acquisition. Uh, they also own the PokerStars brand, which is probably one of the, the most recognizable uh, poker brands in the world. Uh, they also have partnerships with casinos in Nevada. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense from a strategic point of view. Obviously, with a more mature market in the UK and Ireland and Australia, um, growth is a bit slower um, for the likes of Paddy Power in those markets. Um, whereas the US is a big bad world uh, that's only now kind of coming on stream 
and obviously there's huge kind of predictions of the the size of the market in the coming years once more and more states kind of open up and primarily everyone's waiting for new york and california uh, i've seen figures about 20 billion uh, annually uh, in terms of revenue and um, so I think this is uh, makes a lot of sense for uh, both poker stars or for the stars group, sorry, and for Paddy Power, and obviously the parent company Flutter Entertainment. And um, so I think this is going to be a, a huge win for everyone involved. Um, gives uh, them a huge um, foothold into the United States and Canada, uh, while also bringing the expertise that they have uh, from being a long-established player in the European markets. And I'm not sure if people in the US are aware, uh, but Paddy Power are one of the, the best marketers in the world when it comes to uh, gambling. Uh, probably one of the best marketers um, in the UK, kind of full stop. Uh, always with um, good, good quality, highly engaging and highly shareable uh, content in terms of marketing, uh, which is great for them. So I would expect to see that to come to a TV screen or an Instagram feed or Twitter feed uh, in the near future as uh, they kind of merge and start um, activating the, the synergies that exist between the, the two companies. Story this week from the world of esports uh, comes from ESL, Dreamhack, and Nielsen. Uh, so the three are kind of partnering up uh, to give comprehensive esports management. Um, so obviously, Nielsen have been in the traditional kind of TV uh, market for a long, long time, uh, providing TV ratings in terms of viewership numbers, you know, maximum peak um, uh, viewership. Um, so obviously they've been kind of moving more and more into uh, the digital space and into esports uh, to a certain degree, but this is kind of the most robust uh, kind of partnerships they've had to provide these kind of ratings um, for the world of esports because uh, a lot of media buyers and sponsors are kind of looking for this kind of data to give them the comfort that they need to put their money where their mouth is um, in terms of getting into the, the new esports market. Um, so. Uh, obviously, we've seen big companies like like McDonald's and Louis Vuitton and a lot of the, the hardware uh, providers getting into the esports world already. But I think having this extra data uh, will help uh, other brands uh, kind of jump into the space because uh, everyone kind of wants to be seen to do something in esports. Uh, but I think having this data will will help them uh, kind of make the decisions because uh, they have KPIs to, to kind of back up um, the money where they're they're putting behind. Um, so I think one of the key KPIs is going to be average minute audience. And so this is something that's existed for quite a while in the world of traditional sports. Um, so obviously, you know, it kind of says it all there. So the average minute audience, you know, what, what's the size for any given minute? Um, so I think that's going to be huge for the world of esports as it kind of matures into um, an established um, kind of sports um, league or organization or however you want to phrase it. Um, so the, this partnership is going to be um, providing analytics for the ESL Pro Tour, a circuit of over 20 Counter-Strike Global Defensive Tournaments. Um, so I think this is just the, the stepping stone to a kind of more broader and more robust um, agreement between uh, these three main players. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting and exciting to see how those initial 20 tournaments go. Uh, but I can see it kind of becoming the, the industry standard before long because everyone was kind of looking for this uh, data to help them to provide um, reassurance and some measurable uh, KPIs to, to see if where they're spending their money actually makes sense and is returning a return on investment. Um, so very excited to, to see this because uh, I think it's you know part of the 
part of what the industry needs to become a kind of an established brand and a, a main player uh, in this new world of digital entertainment. Um, so very excited to see it. Um, and obviously we'll report on any findings that kind of come out of it because I'm, I'm sure there will be uh, singing from the rooftops if it is a success. Um, and obviously if it isn't a success, there'll probably be people uh, slagging it off in the media as well. So we'll definitely uh, have a follow-up for this at some point in the future. In the world of content, we've got a partnership between Formula One and Complex Networks. So they're gonna launch a new uh, content series called The Pit, which is gonna be hosted by uh, US rapper ASAP Ferg. Uh, so it's gonna be a five part series, uh, which is gonna consist of F1 themed challenges, and it's gonna be delivered over the, the final uh, weeks of the Formula One season. Uh, so it's gonna have some challenges, it's gonna show uh, ASAP Ferg uh, alongside some drivers and some of the, the people in the, the pit lanes. Um, going to be driven around tracks at high speeds. He's going to be uh, completing challenges like coming up with a new song uh, at those high speeds. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see the uh, the content that comes out of it uh, from the challenge perspective, uh, as well as the overall show. Um, so it's a great way for Formula One to kind of reach new audiences. Obviously, they had the successful uh, foray into the Netflix world with their Drive to Survive series and speaking to a lot of people in the industry at a couple of conferences over the last couple of weeks. Um, it's held in very high regard um, from people in the industry and it's held up as the, an example of how to enter um, the world of content and the world of Netflix. Um, so it's been a huge success. So it'll be interesting to see if this has a similar kind of uptake uh, from people around the world, um, especially uh, younger audiences, which this is a huge play for. Um, so that's the reason for the partnership with Complex Networks, because. Um, they kind of pride themselves as being that network that's uh, fully focused on uh, getting the attention of millennials and Gen Z. Um, so if you've ever heard the show uh, Hot Ones um, on YouTube, uh, the show with hot questions and even hotter wings, um, this is one of their um, one of their products. Uh, they also have shows about uh, sneakers and a lot of uh, kind of lifestyle uh, kind of shows uh, that target the interests of millennials and Gen Z. So I believe this is their first foray into the, the world of sports. Uh, obviously, if it's a success for them and Formula One, I think it will continue. Uh, but I also could see them using this as a great use case um, to target other sports leagues, brands, uh, anyone who's associated in the, the world of sports. Uh, because I think a lot of uh, sports uh, leagues and organizations are looking for constantly looking for new fans as uh, their demographics kind of age. Um, so in the interview that's coming up with uh, the NFL UK later on, uh, this is exactly uh, one of the issues that they kind of raise and one of the, the main kind of focuses of the NFL uh, is to find new audiences in new markets and in new demographics. And so I think this could be a great use case and something that I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in for. Uh, hopefully it's available around the world on the likes of YouTube because um, I think it would be interesting to see how they you know, take a kind of a traditional sport and add, add something new to it. Um, so be looking out for that and if it is available uh, around the world it'll definitely include it in the newsletter because I think it would be important for people um, to see how um, the traditional sport is working with um, a great kind of digital network uh, to target new audiences and new fans. So 
from the world of VR and wearables, which isn't usually a kind of combination you would hear too much about. Um, there's been kind of a breakthrough from science scientists at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology of Lausanne. Um, so it involves ultra-thin second skin that uh, can form and adapt to your moving body. Uh, so I guess the idea is that you can feel a sense of touch and be touched uh, with this kind of second skin that you put over your, your own body. Uh, so it apparently feels natural um, to give you feedback uh, without using electronic uh, vibration. Um, so it's just um, been put out in a scientific uh, journal. Um, so I think um, very much a, a new technology. Uh, it's 500 nanometers in thickness. Not even sure what a nanometer is, but it, definitely very very small um, so it's something that you know I think has um, a huge kind of part to play in the world of VR um, speaking to a lot of people in the industry you know they kind of view it as um, a kind of a solitary um, experience you know you're putting on the, the VR goggles um, and then it's very insular because uh, you're in this kind of virtual world and your body isn't really kind of part of that experience it's very much just a visual um, experience so I think this could be uh, have something huge uh, to kind of play in the future of VR um, not sure it's, if it's too applicable to the world of sports. Um, obviously, the porn industry I think makes um, a much uh, bigger use case for something like this because um, I think you know the world of sports and, and porn they always like adapt new technologies and kind of put them into the the mainstay. Obviously, like HD video and 4K and live streaming and stuff like that. Um, they've always been at the forefront of the adoption of this type of technology. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where this goes um, beyond. Um, a scientific journal um, but um, the artificial skin has integrated sensors that sends data uh, to the modulate the pressure um, so I think this is going to be um, something that might hit the market pretty soon if it is um, as successful as the, the journal would kind of make out um, but yeah kind of struggling to see the use cases in the world of sport um, right off the top of the bat but uh, I think it might be uh, somewhere interesting uh, for the world of wearables and um, you know the the data tracking and yeah can the skin add, act as a sensor that will provide uh, enhanced kind of data for the the athlete kind of tracking uh, kind of world um, remains to be seen um, but yeah something that was interesting um, so I thought I would share it. So that's it for another episode of Sports Tech Live. That's episode number eight. Uh, when I initially kind of started this, I said I'd do 10 and see where we're at, where we're going. Um, so we're almost there um, in terms of the, the kind of weekly news kind of summary podcasts. Um, I have about eight or 10 uh, kind of recorded interviews that I'll be pu pushing out anyway. Um, so at the end of the, the 10 episodes of the, the weekly kind of news stories, um, I'll kind of take in all the, the data and feedback that I can get uh, and see where it kind of goes from there. Um, so thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed it.